Hey guys, my name's Echo Kellum. I play Curtis Hall, aka Miss Terrific, on CW Arrow, and you're listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. My name is Craig McKenzie. After a lifetime of being a nerd, I have come to you with only one goal: to talk utter nonsense. But to do that, I can't sit and talk to myself. I must enlist someone else and do something else. I'm uh, looking around here and I can't see my team. Where have they all gone? Where, where's the team? Oh, there's one person left. Hi, Chris. Screw that guy. He sucks. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm now sad. You never let me wear your costume, Craig. You never let me wear your costume. You said that if I did podcasts, I'd get to wear the costume. You're not letting me wear the costume, Craig. You're not letting me. You said one day I'd get to wear it, Craig. You suck. I wonder if listeners will read kind of into this whole costume business and and think there's something really dodgy going on. You don't let me wear it, Craig. (laughs) Well, um... That's Chris, one of the few people that's still left around here after things were said. I don't know what was said and to who, but there were things said. Things that can never be taken back, Craig. Things that can never be taken back. Oh, it's all right. I totally take it back. You're my bro, man. I love you, man. Just give me I love ten, you, man. Just, just, love give you. Me, just give me ten episodes. I can make this up. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I need. Ten weeks to solve every uh. problem that I have under me. Yeah. It's it's a tall order, but it can be done. In particular, hello to our audience who are only listening to the start of this podcast and have no idea what the uh, the running gag is, but we'll leave it at that. Well, it will become clear <laughs> after the spoiler section. After the spoiler section, but yeah. before we even do that, we debuted a feature on our recent Legion podcast uh, where we talk about stuff we like and talk about stuff we don't. This is the Neil Before Rise Against feature. Basically, what we do for those that don't know, is we find something out there on the internet in the valley of nerddom that we like and something that we kind of don't like and we talk about it kind of quickly and then we get into the topic we're here to discuss. The idea is it's more accessible to people that don't watch Arrow so they can listen to these 15 minutes and then turn off and go and do something more productive with their lives. But it's all about we're, we're all about bringing people in, not alienating people. That's what Neil Before Pod is going to do in quarter two of 2018. So businessy. So businessy. I, I'll refer you to the, the uh, nearby pie chart that, that outlines all my plans. There is no pie chart. I think you'll be glad to know. The only pie chart I like is the one that's percentage of pie chart that resembles Pac-Man. Percentage that doesn't resemble Pac-Man. <laughs> Or I like the one that's G.I. Joe as well, the one that's uh, the battle, which is half of it, and then it's red lasers and blue lasers is the <laughs> other 25% respectively. So I like two pie charts. Two pie charts, okay. Yeah. Anyway, we haven't got any music for this Neil Before Rise Again segment yet because that would require me doing some work and I've not done any yet and I don't know what to use. So if anyone has any ideas of what I should use, give me a shout. If anyone has any music editing skills and wants to do it for me, Especially give me a shout. We need something we need something sort of nice and angelic for the Neil Before and then we need sort of thunder and lightning for the rise against and like a dog howling and stuff. Or you know, something that I don't know. Something 
something, okay. Or Anyone something. Anyone who wants to do some free work, chuck it my way, and I will credit you, especially on the podcast. Okay, so this new feature. Last time we had some duplication, which wasn't the best. But this week, this time, there might not be. But Chris, I'm going to let you go first because I've got hundreds of these buggers in my head. You've got so hundreds of them. Hundreds yeah. of them. So okay, Chris, what am I starting before? Am I kneeling before? I am kneeling before Lost in Space reboot on Netflix, which I have now finished watching. Uh, I liked it a lot. I had a, a little recommendation from a couple of friends who said, oh, you'll like Lost in Space. And I was like, well, I liked the movie when I was younger. I thought it was all right. <laughs> Not really That's sure movie. about the 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 TV show and Netflix, but then Netflix sort of shoved it in my face going, well, you'll like these other things. You'll like this. And I went, okay, Netflix, I'll give it a go. Turns out I did actually like it. So, um, yeah, Lost in Space on Netflix. And I hear it has been renewed for season two as well. So, sure yeah. has. I just finished that last night and thoroughly enjoyed it. Yay! I was perhaps going to use it as my th- one thing, but now I can't. So, but that's fine. That's fine. I've got loads of the buggers. But that's uh, fine. Sh- there's no, there's no, there's no chance of duplication on this feature. No <laughs> chance at all. Hey, I, I tell you, I've got a lot of crap I need to talk about. So we're okay. Fine. We are fine. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. I quite like it when it's science fiction. That's not about you know shooting lasers at people and and all this stuff and. The kind of, or the science probably isn't hugely accurate. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a physicist or anything like that. But it was, it, it certainly was within its own rules. I would say it set up a, a set of parameters and played about with them and and delivered something that was fun. And the characters were good and all that stuff. It was it was good. I've never seen the original, nor nor do I want to. And the film is terrible. I rewatched that recently. <laughs> terrible. I enjoyed it when I was younger. Now I kind of look at it and go, oh, there's a lot of cheese and terribleness in there and a bit of Hamishness. But it's, you know, very, very good, uh, the the new one. And like you say, I don't think the science is 100% accurate, but it's got a lot of heart in it, which I kind of liked. And a robot. And a robot. And a robot. Yeah. Okay, since you stole mine, uh, that's fine. What I'm going to do is I'm going to kneel before Deadpool 2. Because I really hey. enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. I thought it was as good as the first one. It answered a particular need that I had for some kind of Infinity War palate cleanser. So it's really good. And if anybody's wondering if we are going to do a podcast on it, I thought about it and I decided no. Uh, the reason being, I don't think there'll be any more chat to it than a bunch of people sitting around recapping their favourite jokes. <laughs> because... Like it or not, whenever you talk to someone about comedy, that's probably what you're doing. I thought the bit was really funny where this happened. So, not really the best podcast stuff. I mean, I'm sure there's plot details and and yada yada, but I don't think there's enough there. And that's why I'm not going to talk about it. I think Deadpool's one of these things that if you dissect it is not as much fun as watching. Nah. Because uh, I think if you if you have to sort of break it apart in uh, gory detail, it'll end up showing cracks. But uh, I think it's always good. I have not seen uh, Deadpool 2 yet. In fact, I'm meant to be seeing it tomorrow. So uh, sadly, I'm not able to share your enthusiasm for it yet, but I imagine I will like it. Well, if you like the first one, you'll like that because it's bigger and better. And Well, it's not maybe not better, but it's bigger. You know, it does that thing where sequels that sequels do where they just double up on everything. So there's more fourth wall breaking, there's more gags, there's more there's more of everything and um it works. 
It doesn't always work, but you know, not every joke's hilarious, and there's some where, where it references specific things in other films that aren't in that universe. It's not so funny because they're just calling attention to it rather than doing anything clever with it. You know, calling Josh Brolin Thanos isn't that funny because <laughs> no, that's so funny because he plays Thanos in another film. You know, that's yeah, we know that's that's not that funny. Uh, there'll be someone out there that'll laugh at it. Probably a lot of someone's based on the cinema screening I was at, but ain't that funny to me. So there will be no Deadpool or Deadpool 2 spoiler special type scenario because it's just going to be us talking about the jokes, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And and we are not as funny as Ryan Reynolds, so no, it won't be as good. My delivery is nowhere near as competent as Ryan Reynolds, so there we go. I heard that about you. <laughs> but... Ryan Reynolds can't host a host and edit a podcast. I don't know. I set the challenge to Ryan Reynolds here on this podcast. I have laid the gauntlet down. Ryan, if you Ryan, want to host this podcast, feel free. You Ryan, can guest host. Guest host. You can guest host, and then you have to guest edit as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You've got to do the editing as well. You know, none of this sort of half, half, uh, I was going to say half arsed, but you won't let me say that on the podcast. Well, you've already said it. Oh, um, too late. <laughs> if if Ryan Reynolds does meet this challenge and then proves me wrong, I will, I will read out a retraction. Ah, okay. There you go, Ryan. An official apology. Gauntlet laid down, Ryan. I'm going to tweet him after this and, and ask him. He might reply. You never know. I think he's a very polite guy. I'm sure he will give us a, a courteous response, yeah, saying yeah. that he is no way far too hell. busy for our nonsense. <laughs> Do you know how many people have tried this with me? Yeah. He can appear on the Deadpool Honest Trailer, and we're better than Honest Trailers. Fact. Uh, yes. Fact. Fact. <laughs> fact. Because we've said it now. <laughs> fact. That's it. It's going to be on the. It's going to be on the tagline. You know, there'll be an advert somewhere. It'll be Neil before Pod. Better than Honest Trailers. Says says host. Says, says host yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for the good. Okay, Chris, rise against. UK Ant-Man delays. I'm rising against. I am angry. And do you know the reason why I'm angry, Craig? Ask me why. Go on. Why are you angry about Ant-Man? I'm angry because it is getting delayed by a whole month. But why is it being delayed? Are all the cinemas in the UK getting refurbished for a month? No. For the World Cup. The World Cup. Which is apparently a football thing that happens, right? Now, I put it to Disney and Marvel and the cinema community that the people that sit inside and watch movies are not necessarily the same people who will be going out to watch the World Cup. Therefore, move it back. You can also go... uh, I was going to say you can also watch it when it's not on, when football's not on, but it's always on. Always. I, I I would say that there will be room in people's diaries to see Ant-Man if they want to. Give me the choice, and I will quite happily go and see Ant-Man, and the rest of them can sit somewhere and watch football games. We aren't even playing. Scotland aren't playing. Show it in Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If England England don't want Ant-Man on time, that's fine. But a whole month. Now, the reason this gets me annoyed is I could quite happily take it for a month, if it weren't for the fact that I know that after the first day of screening in the US, spoilers will be everywhere yeah. and will be unavoidable. So I know that I'm going to get bits of this movie ruined for me 
before I see it, sadly. Within that month, yeah. Within that month, definitely something and a lot of things will have been splattered across the internet by that yeah. point, which is rather nippy. It does majorly suck. I, when I read about that, I was like, saying, so there's still time to undo it. I think they, I think they should. Um, just leave it in the cinema for an extra month, you know, if you're worried about box office takings. But correct me if I'm wrong, right? I don't know. I'd have to check. I'd have to fact check this. But the United States is also in the world, <laughs> isn't it? I, b- I believe it. It may be in the cup of world football playing yes. or soccer playing to the yeah. Americans. I mean, they Americans. don't care about football, apparently, but neither do I. So let me watch it. Not Man. that kind of football, the soccer one. The yes. Soccer World Cup in America. Yeah, I know. Like, I think they care about their football. I don't think they care as much about their soccer. No. Uh, but neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> Let me watch Ant-Man. <laughs> Unite with us, America. Rise against this this, this football foe. <laughs> rise against this travesty where I have to stay off there the internet go. for a month. A yeah, month. A whole month. I have right, to unlike every page on Facebook <laughs> and on Twitter. That, just everyone. <laughs> just that might talk about Ant-Man. That's pretty much everyone I know. Me and Craig are going to be living on Shetland for a good month. <laughs> yeah. At a yoga retreat a yoga at the top retreat. of a hill <laughs> on Bembecula. <laughs> and then someone will still spoil it. Guaranteed. Yeah. Someone will arrive on the last day on the ferry and go, God, you won't believe what happened to that man. I've just come over from the US. And <laughs> no! Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and my frequent flyer miles run out round about season finale time, so I can't even fly <laughs> just to... Yeah, I know. <laughs> Got to renew our visas. That's it, that's it. They wouldn't let me back in the country. I've watched too much TV. Yes, so that's that. That sucks. Rise up, UK. Rise up, Europe. Wherever it's being delayed, rise up. Geeks of the United Kingdom who were picked on by the footballing community, mm. rise up against your oppressive someone, foes. Someone create a petition... And then I might sign it. Probably not, though. I don't really sign petitions. It's another way for the government to track me. <laughs> yeah, tinfoil hat, people. Yep. And I am rising against Deep Blue Sea 2, which I watched on Friday night. And oh my god, it was dreadful. It's one of the worst things I've seen in a long time. I'm assuming and it's a follow-up to Deep Sea... Two, one. Blue sea. <laughs> yes. Deep Blue Sea, which is a pretty schlocky yet fun B-movie starring Tom Jane, LL Cool J with a parrot, uh, Samuel Jackson <laughs> and Saffron Burrows, I want to say. I'm not sure if that's accurate, but it's, it's pretty stupid. It's about heavily intelligent sharks and, you know, somehow they manage to fill this place with water and, and be a danger to people. But it's great. For what it is, it has a great Samuel L. Jackson moment that subverts your expectations of what that Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> moment's going to be. The sequel is dreadful. It stars people I've already forgotten the name of. There's a guy in it who looks as bored as I was while watching the film. <laughs> and uh, there's it's got some of the worst special effects I've seen in recent times. There's a, a bit where they, they create danger by one of the smart sharks gives birth. And so there's lots of little sharks swimming around and they alternate between this horrible CGI shot that they keep reusing and just change the lighting on it and then throwing rubber sharks at the actors. <laughs> this is literally That's a thing a, that happens. It kind of sounds awesome. No, it doesn't. Trust <laughs> it me, it's does. dreadful. It does. 
It was <laughs> it was really bad, and I don't recommend ever watching it. And I want the hour and a half of my life back, universe, for sitting through it. <laughs> I was just having a little look. I had to Google it while you we were talking about it. It's got three point two out of ten Too on generous. IMDb. <laughs> three point two out of ten. Who are the people wow. that let that score climb? <laughs> Who are they? Come forward we, now. We answer, will find you. <laughs> answer for your crimes. Oh, it's terrible. So yeah, that's that's the thing that I hated most on recent in recent times. Uh, until another podcast where I find something else to hate. There's always plenty to hate. That's the good thing about the world. Well, I've got one good film recommendation out of that, and one don't go and see this film recommendation out of that. So I'm, well, it's, I'm happy. It's a straight to DVD piece of nonsense anyway. So like, it's not worth watching. I mean, it, the fact that it's straight to DVD should tell you that. But also, I don't know why I watched it, to be honest. I, I would like if you've been sitting patiently by the front door waiting for this DVD to fall through the letterbox, like, you know, waiting for Christmas to arrive. Do, do you you'd have gone, I... Oh my God, it's here, it's here! Deep Blue Sea 2's arrived! Come Isaac, we must watch. Do you think I bought it as a physical disc? Please say you did, please. Do, do, you, think, do you think I bought it? <laughs> I may have rented it. I'm not admitting to any crimes here. <laughs> nice, nice pull back there. <laughs> I did not buy it. It exists so that I can never have, never have to go near it again. Do Do you not wish you had a physical copy of it so you could sort of drive over it in a car or find various ways of destroying the disc? No, because that's just a waste of money. And oh, adds the to fun the and enjoyment world. you get out of it. <laughs> I mean, I'd have to throw away the plastic case, and you know, plastic is. Killing the universe, so nah. Yeah, but then think of all the killer, hyper intelligent sharks that you might be able to kill with it. Think yeah. about that. I could also just not fund these people's lifestyle <laughs> by, not, by not buying it. So, yeah, that's it. It was terrible. I will, I will quote a line from it that tells you how terrible it is. Though this guy is talking about some guy in it is a former soldier because, of course, he is. Because, you know, that, that, they need one defining trait, don't they? And he talks about how people don't care about soldiers and move them around like chess pieces on a chessboard. And the words chess pieces on a chessboard are used. <laughs> That's up there with the Anakin Skywalker, I wish I could just wish away my feelings. <laughs> so, terrible dialogue. No. That, that's the only no. line I can remember. <laughs> It also has a woman in it who's incapable of fastening her clothes all the way at the top. And she's a scientist. She's a shark swimming expert person and can't fasten her clothes all the way up. Shark swimming expert? Yes. She's like I, a scientist. I didn't, I, I didn't know that was a job, but uh, I'm now be. going to be speaking to my careers advisor and finding out. Yeah. So don't watch that. That's a thing that should not be watched. Right. Are we done with... Uh, Recommendations and anti-recommendations? I think for now. Yes, for now. We'll see if this feature keeps going. I think it should. It's fun. Anyway, we are here to talk about Arrow, which has recently finished its sixth and not final season. Uh, And we did the first half of the season, so we'll kind of tacitly refer back to that we're relevant, but this is all about the second half because we tried the full season stuff before and it nearly killed us. (laughs) Because <laughs> it is long uh, So, second half of the season What did you think? Um, spoiler free thoughts Bit disappointed to be honest um, I've been sort of 
muddling along my arrow. I've gone through periods of I love this, periods of I hate this, periods of... Okay. And that's kind of where I'm at at the moment with Arrow, is I'm not not 100% sold. I don't know, in my head, I'm beginning to feel that a lot of the storytelling has now run its course and they're finding it difficult to come up with different scenarios now. And I think it's suffering from what a lot of the DC shows seem to be suffering, which is too many episodes. They've got too much to fill. If they had less episodes they might be able to do better storytelling rather than trying to draw some stuff out and repetition and all that, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say I was disappointed. I, mean, I suppose I sort of was. I thought season five was a, a creative high for the show. Uh, it really, really impressed me. Although I'm just looking through all my ratings up until the finale from episode nine onwards. And, you know, it's hovering around the 8.5, 7.5 mark quite often so I didn't dislike it as much as you did there's one that got a 7 that was the lowest it went though so like, I thought it was pretty strong I've always liked what Arrow does with its characters and and it it felt like it was taking risks this season although it maybe ultimately it didn't really take those risks so you've got the kind of risky setup that they don't necessarily pay off on it but more so than most of the other Arrow shows Arrowverse shows even the the characters behave like adults who make decisions that are that make sense in some cases. Whereas you certainly don't get that on Flash. I don't know why anybody does anything on that show anymore. I'm just kind of watching it and, and wondering why anybody does anything. But with Arrow, I'm like, I can understand where you're coming from here. With the odd exception. But I can understand their, their ex- the, the way they take exception to certain things. So... Yeah, I thought it was alright. I enjoyed it. I still enjoy it. Too many episodes for sure. Although, in some ways, they didn't make good use of the episodes they had, which is something we'll come into uh, shortly. But it's alright. Watchable. Very watchable. Are you ready for the spoiler clacks in them? Shall we descend into spoilers? Yeah, let's go for it. Right, now we're free and here to talk about stuff. That happens in this show. So the first thing, kind of about the story. I mean, Diaz is the villain, but the, the I would say the running thread throughout, the, certainly the second half of the season, is the division of the team, how they kind of got torn apart and kept getting torn apart. Um, there was a couple of things that it, I thought were quite surprising. Mostly that once the teams did divide, they were behaving, with the exception of one episode, they were behaving civilly to one another. So they were sharing you know, information, they were working together, they just didn't want to work together because nobody trusted Oliver anymore. And then I kind of thought, always thought that Diggle would stick with him through anything, but even he left, and I was like, I did not see that coming. And then, and then he flew Felicity out to just make it even more uh, isolating. Yeah, he was like, I would need to be season one Oliver for a few episodes, so Felicity... You don't sit there with a computer keeping me alive. I'll just go out without knowing what's behind a given door. It could be bombs. It could be anything in there. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna muddle through and see what happens because it's what I feel like I need to do at this moment, which well, is can, just really stupid. Yeah, we can remember how successful he was by himself, constantly getting beaten up and uh, into bother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funniest thing was in season one when he was working by himself, they would engineer situations where he could effectively work by himself you know so he would he would uh, set up a situation where he can 
you know, troop into a location, take out everyone in there, go after his target and then leave. But then as soon as Felicity starts becoming more prominent, as soon as Diggle starts becoming more prominent, they engineer these situations that he couldn't have done on his own. So it's, <laughs> it, it would have actually been interesting to see a situation that he couldn't have done on his own and then see him try to tackle that because that's interesting because the, sh- the storytelling's evolved to the point where Oliver has gotten used to relying on others. But if it had been at this point, no, no, this is still the same show. It's just Oliver is stupidly relying on himself. Mm. And here's where having Felicity around would have really helped. For instance, you know... The, yeah, come, up, come across the locked door or the computer that's locked down or the alarm system that won't deactivate. Yeah. Yeah. So... They didn't really do any of that. In fact, you don't see very much of him kind of on his own. You see bits and pieces. I mean, the, the, the most important one for me was when he went to Anatoly as a friend uh, and tried to convince him to not work with Diaz anymore, which I thought was an interesting thing because it plays with their, their established relationship. And it does show Oliver thinking about the whole, I'm on my own now, I can't just rush in here and fight everybody. I'll have to be a bit smarter about it. So that's... It's, it's kind of what I wanted to see, except I would have liked a bit of the other side of it as well, you know, without him being always immediately successful. Mm. Yeah, I would. I would have liked to have seen him struggle on for a bit. It it came a bit too. It came a bit too late in the season for me, and it just seemed, for me, the whole relationship drama of falling out. And I think I said this in the mid-season one as well. Actually, going to think about it, I should have listened back to that to hear what I thought. A lot of the relationship fallouts and everything just seem really contrived to me. And I think we've seen Oliver isolated from the team enough now. We, we kind of get it. Yeah. It's, it's happened now in, I think, the last two, three seasons that at some point, be it for one episode, be it for two, be it for three, Felicity will go, I can't work with you when you're like this. And Diggle will be out of action or in a huff or away somewhere else. And you get Oliver by himself again. And normally it'll be some sort of weird attempt by the villain to go, ha ha, I will isolate him by himself and show him the error of his ways. And and then I will strike him. Well, why don't you kill him now? No, no, I'm going to show him the error of his ways. Then I'm going to kill him. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going, to, I'm going to take everything away from him. Then I'm going to kill him. But just like you're right in front of him now. You've got him tied up. You've got a gun. You could just, no, 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 no. no I, ha, it's a fate worse than death. It's like, no, shoot him. <laughs> just, just if, if anything, this guy is proven now he's very resilient just shoot him in the head and you know and throw the body in the river or, or tie it up in front of the mayor's office in his costume and then everyone will know it was him and that he was unsuccessful and that you've been crowned champion do that no 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 we will do a big trial it will be like law and order it'll be awesome it's just like oh come on it just <laughs> but when it came to diaz not killing him uh, I thought his reason of not wanting to make him a martyr was reasonable because he knows that killing the Green Arrow would probably upset a bunch of people who kind of rely on his protection and things. So that made enough sense. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a comic book TV show and you have to have a reason for the, the villain not to shoot them in the head, as you've said. So you've got... So at least Diaz had that kind of... I don't really care about this guy. He's just kind of in my way. Um, I don't want him to die at the moment, because that would make him a martyr and that would make my plan a bit harder. That's that's fine. And Diaz is unique in that respect, at least to begin with, where he had no personal beef with Oliver. He just saw that 
Oliver is kind of a nuisance and, until towards the end of the season where he was like, right now I hate him, I'm going to kill him. And that was like, oh, good, you're every other season's Arrow villain. Great. Yeah, but <laughs> even the, even the, for a second. But even the sort of bring the Empire crashing around him and don't kill him thing we saw with Chase last year in a more successful guise. Yeah. Take him to absolute breaking point, which, you know, which you haven't had here at all. I mean, Diaz, his plan was bloody convoluted from the start. I mean, it was very, very sort of hope and prayer, and don't get me wrong, successful to an extent, but you, I just... And, and I get exactly what you're saying, that if if you just had the opening shot of a sniper rifle taking Oliver out in front of the mayor's office and then the credits rolling, you'd be a bit like, well, that went quicker than I thought it was going to be, you know? <laughs> you know what um, the episode after that would be, though? You'd have Felicity going to Central City and saying, Barry, you have to run back in time and save Oliver. Yeah, yeah we've got to <laughs> save him. Or, yeah. or, Sarah, you have to use your spaceship to fly back in time and save Oliver. You know, that would... That's ultimately what the resolution of that would have to be. Thank, thank God for all those life body decoys that Oliver made. Uh, isn't that great? Um, I know, that's just some other handsome guy with the <laughs> stubble. Yeah, I just... I, I struggled a bit with the season and the, the sort of switch between at the beginning sort of a city held to ransom to what you had at the end, which was still a city held to ransom, but held to ransom in a different way. I mean, I don't know what you thought of the sort of assembling of the sort of villain squad at the beginning of this. Uh, it was okay, but the villains themselves weren't all that strong. The only two I remember are Caden, James and Diaz. Mm. The others are f- completely forgotten. They're dead now, aren't they? I think I missed that. Yes, they are, because you had bloody... What's his name? Um, Vince. Vigilante. V- Vince, yes. Vince Gilante. <laughs> uh, who was, you know, who uh, was essentially talked to death by Laurel. And, you know, I can sort of understand why that would kill you. She does talk yeah. a lot. <laughs> she talks a lot, a lot. I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you're wanting to cover Laurel off as a separate subject later on. Evil I have, Laurel. It's not Laurel. I have, it's sorry, Laurel. evil Laurel. I mean, not quite Laurel. I mean, like, almost genuinely our Laurel again. Not quite sure what Laurel is Laurel. Her Laurel. That one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> go for it if you have stuff on Laurel now. Evil Laurel. Stuff on Laurel now. It. What the hell are they doing with Laurel? Um, yeah, I, I just... I'm, 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 I've been so fed up of the, she's evil. Oh, she's not really evil, but she is. No, she's not. She is totally evil. No, 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 no. She just talked a man to death. She sort of sonically shattered someone's skull. Yeah. No, no, she's not evil. She's lovely and cuddly. It's like, uh, no. I, I, I just, I, I'm not getting the fun out of this that I think the showrunners are intending I don't know about you, of the, well, she won't you, won't she, is she evil, is she not? You know, they put her on the stand during the trial, for example. Yeah. And then she turns against Chase and sort of ruins his uh, his plan at that point. Diaz, sorry. And ruins his, his plans at that point. Um, but as much as they're going for character development, I feel that episode to episode they would just completely rewrite the character and their motivations 
you know, you you seem to get some that would go along the line of, oh, she, you know, she really, really cares. And then other ones, you know, she's, you know, she's pretty much ready to just throw Quentin underneath a bus. And I don't, I don't quite get what they were aiming for at the end of this, because by the end of it, I'm going, well, I neither approve or disapprove of her. I don't know whether she's good or bad. She's just there. And I don't see if she's moved forward or backward because you keep flicking the switch each week. Yeah, the the writer's intention was clearly to keep her motives ambiguous. And the idea was she's supposed to be a bit of a survivor, very self-serving. She'll, you know, she'll kind of pitch her tent wherever's strongest. And that's what they wanted to do. That's not what they did. What they did was they turned someone... They they just put someone in who just betrayed, would betray Quentin all the time, you know. It, uh, her loyalty to Diaz was pretty, um, was pretty solid to me pretty early on. So it was at that point where any attempt it was to for her to be like, I want to be a better person. I'm really trying. I assumed that was a lie, every single mm. time because every single time it was until it wasn't. You know until she at that point said you know, decided to betray Diaz in front of everyone. And she knew that was probably signing her own death warrant. But they didn't earn that moment. So no. at no point does she feel like she was wrestling with anything. She was just saying whatever Quentin wanted to hear to get him to shut up and leave her alone. And I, I, truth be told, I love Quentin. I think he's a great character. But also, I thought the way that he was acting in most of the episodes was really creepy. I know she's not my daughter, but I'm going to tie her up and take her to a cabin somewhere and convince her that she is. Yeah, I know she's not really my daughter. It's just, you know, I still have all these pictures of her. And, uh, yeah, yeah, but she's not my... I know she's not my one, but I'm going to protect her with my life. Um, And and it turns out all you need to do is read a legal textbook for a couple hours uh, to figure out how to um, stop Oliver Queen from firing Diaz's hinge (laughs) people. If only law was that easy. <laughs> yeah, she's not good. Um, no, she's. Do you know? I kind of thought this this would be the season that we would get rid of her again. And sadly, she's still ticking. So we'll see. Well, Kate maybe Cassidy's maybe fun they'll to watch. Get... Though she's really good at whatever it is they're trying to do with her. Um, she's just she's much more. She feels much more at home with this version than she did with the previous version. But the thing is, I remember her from Supernatural, where she played a kind of morally ambiguous type character. So that seems to be her wheelhouse as an actress. Um, there was some some other show, maybe it was, I don't know, 90210 or, or, or something like that. You know, one of those types of shows where she played some kind of duplicitous type person. Um, I know that from someone telling me about it. I, don't, I haven't actually seen that myself, but... Um, that's why I don't know what show it was in. Might have been Gossip Girl, might have been 90210. You know, one of those. One of those. Mm. And I've, I've just offended everybody that watches those <laughs> shows. But, <laughs> so that was it. it. Her wheelhouse definitely seems to be these kind of nasty-ish type, you know, attitude-driven characters. And, and she does well with that, um, if nothing else. I think... I I think it's just that the the outcome at the very end seemed rushed after going so slow and so sort of flip-floppy with the, you know, the ambiguity, like you were saying, throughout the season, to come to basically one one episode and flick a switch and go, ta-da, she's good now, 
she's good now. She's totally good, and everyone's happy with her, and everyone has forgiven her past misgivings and the fact that she sort of killed off boyfriends and everything. That's all forgiven now. That's that's all behind. You know, it seemed a bit. It just wasn't earned, like you said. It just yeah. wasn't the that that should not have sort of resolved everything, and it appears that that is going to be it, uh, or at least for now. You know, but if it starts up again by the next season, I'm going to be a bit. Yeah, she'll <laughs> be hanging enough. about next season. I don't know. I don't know what she should be. Maybe she should be like a Catwoman type. You know, not not friend, not enemy. Just kind of this anti anti something. Mm. You know, like she'll she'll team up with them when the the occasion calls for it, where it suits her. But she's not on the team. I think the I think that dynamic is probably the best that you can hope for because having yeah. her be like on the team now. You know, we have two people that can scream on the team. Brilliant, nice job. <laughs> you know, like two same, two of the same powers on the team. It'd be like having two or three or four or more speedsters on the Flash, <laughs> and then going straight to none uh, or one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. She she just wasn't that good, and like I said, Quentin was handled a bit creepily because of that. And I kind of wanted to see Sarah kick her ass. When I heard that yes. Sarah was going to be in the finale, because I, I heard about that ahead of time, I was like, oh man, I hope she fights her sister. That would have been cool I, to see. I was kind of hoping for a bit of a revenge of, you know, you led to this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but that seemed not there at all. It was very, very fleeting what you got to Sarah in the final episode. I'm guessing Katie Lott's only had like a few days on, in her schedule for filming and, and they just did it okay. Because we've got to have her around for Quentin's death. You can't just be like, oh yeah, she hears about it later. I mean, she missed Laurel's <laughs> death, but it was it was like the, you know, he's he's in hospital and it could be serious, so you should probably be here. I thought it was quite cool. I still don't know how evil Laurel managed to contact her, but it's, it makes sense, you know, have her around for the end. And, and I think it's a good testament to how good this universe is, where you can just have characters drop in for no, well, not for no reason, but just drop in with no explanation. You know, I, Sarah I, was on the show before. Everybody everybody knows her because they've seen her in the crossover as well. So, yeah, she's just here. I do I do like, I mean, she, well, she's originally from Arrow, really, yeah. as a character. So it, it, it's perfectly natural for her to drop in. And like you say, they do... They do do that quite well in this universe, but they will have Diggle drop in for a little couple of scenes on Flash, or they'll have Barry drop in on Arrow and or Cisco or you know anyone just sort of drop in, which kind of it makes a bit of sense. It works in a way, though it does always lead to the question of well, if they've if you've got these kind of people on speed dial, then why why are there problems? You know, <laughs> how how come there are undefeatable villains? Well, they sort of did that earlier in the season, didn't they? Where it was mm. like, How, we need to get there quickly. It's like, I know a way. And then the next you see them getting ran there by Barry. Or by a, yes. an effect that's supposed to be Barry. It's like, well, just do this every week. You know, you can't be that busy, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, that's the, I guess that's the issue. I mean, when Oliver lost his team, you know, what about what about all these misfit characters that are just hanging around the universe? You know, like last season where he just went and got people to help him. Yes, uh, <laughs> Oliver's league of people that he knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Couldn't uh, couldn't he just go see you know, go see if the legends can spare people for a couple of days? Um, go and see. I don't know. Go see Kara and be like, can I borrow James? He's not doing anything. Um, 
we could put Guardian to good use on our show. Stuff like that, you know. The- I'm all for Guardian joining the legends. It seems to be where people go when they've not got any scripts of their own. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, that's it. This is where characters go when uh, yeah. when they've got nothing else to do. When when the writers have run out of stuff for them. Yeah, but the, there has to be sort of like misfit characters kicking about that they, you know he could have made a team out of if he'd really wanted to, but it would have undermined the whole purpose of the, the splitting them apart, the isolationist yes. part, um, and even Diggle's reason for leaving as well. I kind of it made sense, and it was one of those. This is such a great moment for actors. You know, Stephen Amell and David Ramsey, they killed it in that scene that they, where they just fell out, you know, where it all got put on the table and uh, things were said that, that couldn't be taken back. I thought it was just such a great scene. Um, and I kind of bought into, I mean, it's all about perspective, right? The, the whole thing about perspective on in an argument is they believe their own version of the truth. So no one sees the whole picture. So Oliver sees the situation one way, Diggle sees it another way. So he thinks that Oliver's leadership is to blame for the team splitting apart. You know, it was up to Oliver to bug them, to, to you know, to listen into their conversations, to make sure they were legit. But the thing is, after, I forget her name, Evelyn? Like the weird 16-year-old he kept on the team and then she betrayed him? Was it yes. Evelyn? That was her. Mm, I think so, yeah. Yeah, her. Anyway, uh, when, because she betrayed them, and he probably didn't do that at that point. So, damn right, you would probably stick a few hidden microphones around their houses and stuff. Just to make sure. You know, you've got to vet these people, especially if you're trusting them with your secret identity and you don't know them that well. That's the whole point of Team Arrow at this point. You know, the, they don't know each other. Uh, they're not related. They're not, they've not been there since the beginning. They're, they're recruited. And that's the difference. So I understood Oliver's point of view there. I understood why Diggle might think it was wrong. And the fact that he was going along with all these things. Because he's a soldier, he follows orders. And he saw Oliver as a general who gave him orders. And that's fine. But the but the way they brought out some home truths. You know, about how so many people have wound up dead to protect Oliver. And all that stuff. I thought it was just such a great scene. Yeah. Um... It was. I think it was a good scene. I think it was really good. The motivations. I, I struggled with a bit at the beginning, and then in hindsight, I kind of looked at it and went, "You know what? I, I kind of appreciate what they were going for." But you always have this feeling that there's a constant, which is Felicity Diggle and Oliver, and you never get the feeling on the show that no, or you always get the feeling on the show that no matter what happens between them, they will all unite again anyway within a couple of episodes. Yeah. And as much as Diggle left for Argus at the end, and I've always got to be careful not to say Argos when I'm talking about Argus. <laughs> I don't know about you on this, but yeah. Anyway, UK retailer. Apologies, American listeners. Um, <laughs> and every time... Um, anyway, uh, when he left for Argus, I was like, oh, well, maybe he will just work at Argus from now on. And I'd, I'd, I don't know. It would be interesting to see stuff, that kind of you know, dynamic. Yeah, getting people stuff from the back of the shops, sort of losing it onto the conveyor, and you know, sorting out the catalogues, making sure the newest version's out. There's no tears on the pages. Doing all that, um, <laughs> he could, uh, that he could do that. Um, but yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I, do you see him as staying at Argus for the next season? Well, they very definitively passed that torch. Uh, so Diggle is going to be probably the Green Arrow now. You know, carry on in Oliver's stead. Um, I think that maybe if 
it's like you were saying earlier in the season, it might be cool if at the midpoint, you know, Diggle had left at that point, because then you get to see what he's like at Argus, and it was um, it was quite cool seeing him work with the other team, and, and the thing is, like, the the whole adult thing, you know, when Oliver was on trial, Diggle was there, because Oliver is still his friend, he just doesn't want to be around him at the moment, which is fair enough, you know, the, I mean, everybody gets like that with people that they know, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't hate you, I just really don't like you right now, you know, that, that happens a lot with relationships, and um, it just so happens that everything's exacerbated by their own, like, personal issues with each other, so I got the impression that Diggle had been bottling up his opinions on certain decisions that were being made years and years in advance, you know, so stuff during season three, he was like, nah, this doesn't sit well with me, season four, you know, and so on. And then it gets to a point where he's like, right, I just can't put up with this anymore. You've alienated half the team. By the way, under my leadership, they were a well-oiled machine. I may have t- taken some drugs, mm-hmm. but... Like, <laughs> and, and Oliver threw that in his face as well. You know, that was like, like I said, it's their version of the truth. So Oliver says, you were on, you know, you put the team in danger by taking drugs. You know, Renee... All, Renee almost got killed because of what you did and um and and Diggle's like, Yeah, but I did all this to protect to help you and um and the real sticking point was when Oliver reminded Diggle that he killed his his uh, brother. And it's just all this little petty stuff that comes up in arguments but it's just exacerbated by well, it just It's one of those arguments where everything escalates until yeah. the thing that shouldn't be said gets said, and yeah. then that's it. And I, I kind of agree with you that part of my problem with the argument when I saw it was, why is it, why is it waited until now? Why, why is this waited until now? Because a lot of, like you say, a lot of the things that were being raised were like, well, you've obviously had a problem with this for a long time. And I always thought that they were the kind of team that had already worked this kind of stuff out. Um, was just my assumption, but obviously not. Obviously, it has been kept bottled in. You very rarely see Diggle react to anything or disagree with Oliver on anything, though. What you often get is Oliver will be at an impasse on making a decision. Diggle will give him advice. He'll say, here's here's the situation as I see it. Here's what you need to le- figure out. And then Oliver will go and make a decision. And then you never find out what Diggle thinks of that decision. He just goes along with it. So, like, and you were saying, why now? Well, it's like, Think about any argument you've had with anyone in the past. You know, anyone that may have got gotten to a point where it feels like it's escalated beyond the point it should have escalated. And the why now question comes in, you know, it just happens. That's life. And obviously this is a scripted television show where we've planned the argument for episode blah. We'll do it then. But it does feel like it's just, this has come out of, this has come out of nowhere <laughs> almost. You know, but it's not nowhere because Diggle feels... He feels that the last straw has just happened, you know. It's after, because um, it is after he puts Renee in the hospital, which isn't entirely his fault, but it's it's that, you know, it's the, you know, there's no one left on this team. I really don't respect your decisions. I don't agree with your life choices at this point, and I think something needs to change. And And, and he takes that step, you know, and it is to do with emotion. It's an emotionally driven discussion. It's to do with what he thinks or how he's interpreted the situation as well so it all makes sense for me it all worked as long as you bear those things i've said in mind Mm. i think uh, i struggled with it a bit and then in hindsight came to terms with it a little bit and sort of appreciated some of it but yeah i'd 
it's just because of this sort of continuing arc, which is Oliver falls out with everyone. Everyone is back by the last couple of episodes to defeat the villain. Repeat, you know. Yeah, well, I thought them coming back together made made us made sense to a degree, because Diaz was targeting all of them, so it made sense mm. for them to be together. But even then, it felt like the dynamic had shifted slightly. You know, what you had was, um, I mean, did they ever settle on a team name? They were going to call themselves the Outsiders, so we'll call them that. Uh, the the Outsiders were very much, I think we should do this, and then Oliver would step in and say something. But you got the idea that they were like, no, no, this is, we have our own way of doing things, but ultimately... It was kind of a, yeah, yeah. it was a more collaborative effort than it had been before. Yeah, and ultimately they didn't really have time to debate it too much because they had to take action because Diaz was breathing down their necks at that point for some reason. Um, still don't know how that guy has more resources than the League of Assassins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rachel, um, ancient, you know, ancient, powerful guy with legions of ninjas at his disposal. Diaz, more the, than that. Apparently, you've got to remember that Diaz is now a member of the Quadrant, oh, God. Uh, which is uh, apparently the most powerful criminal organization in this state. If I picked that up right, I'm not too sure <laughs> if there's any crime anywhere that they've got a hand in it. Yeah, and they're so secretive, they walk around wearing rings that easily identify them. Yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> I, 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 I spent a while watching that. I've, I've, I just, uh, on my little notes, I, I sort of scribbled. It moved me to scribble a note, which happens very rarely during Arrow. But I wrote down the quadrant, the most unthreatening, unknown organisation ever. And then in capital letters after that, Ever. <laughs> they're all gone now, aren't they? They're all gone. They're all dead. I think yeah. apart from one. I think one of them is still going, but the rest of them all got taken out. And you're yeah. going, what? how did this even... Yeah. It was like, well, that organisation's never been known before. Obviously, they're going to be a massive threat and a massive influence in the rest of us. No, not at all. They're gonna. One of them's going to turn up to label shipping containers and then get taken out. And the other ones are <laughs> already gone. And you're like, oh, okay, well, fine. <laughs> Fair enough. Although the the woman, I forget her name, the way she pronounced Ricardo was really funny. <laughs> you know, it, real emphasis on the R. The, the first R, there's two R's in the name. Uh, yeah, not so great. I mean, it's, it's a weird sort of late in the game introduction as well. It was one of those where you're like, oh, well, this is obviously just something that's throwing forward for next season, or yeah. this is a major, <laughs> this is a major player. No, no, that was it. That was them. Uh, it was like they were all just sort of sitting around the table having coffee, and you're like, yeah. okay, fair enough. And that that Diaz motivation episode, I thought was a bit, a bit rubbish as well because, I mean, I thought it was, I thought the episode itself was okay. It was well acted, and again, Katie Cassidy contributed to it really well. Um, Kirk Acevedo, I think you pronounce his name. I probably just butchered that. Uh, he's really good. You know, he, he he's very good at the kind of cold and calculated intensity type type thing. But the episode itself was a bit. Well, his motivation being like, yeah, he was bullied when he was a kid. Oh, okay. Right. It, yeah. It, <laughs> Do we need that? I almost felt that that it, by that point it was too late. I would have liked the contents or some of the contents of that episode and his backstory scattered before then. Yeah. I don't know if you feel the same way. I feel that, that packing it all into an episode that late in the game was like, well, it's it's too late for me to care about his backstory. I've just seen how evil and uh, manipulative he can be. 
I I don't particularly care now that he had a bit of a, a you know he had a bad childhood. It's like because you kind of got the feeling already he'd had a bad childhood. I don't now need it signposted and shown to me. Um, you know he's obviously not been quite brought up right for the path that he's chosen. Yeah. Um, so yeah. There were interesting bits of character, and like you say, the acting of the two are it was absolutely fine. It was it was just I think tonally and where it was, it was like oh well, Diaz now that he has freshly captured the city is taking a week off uh, <laughs> to go and relax in the countryside, yeah. hunt down other people's hits as like someone's little pet assassin. I mean. You know, <laughs> Laurel's sort of reaction of, you know, now fetch, now roll over, yeah. I think was very good. You know, because he's gone from being top dog of the particular place that he was in into running about after someone like a lap dog. And you're going, what the hell's going on here? Why has he decided to do that? To join this organisation, which will apparently raise his stature, that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone that gets introduced is like, who the hell are they? What do they yeah. do? And you're going, all right, well, fair enough. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, considering that you've already dealt with someone like the League of Assassins or whatever, the bloody, um, what is it, the Quadrant, weren't particularly much of a had to, no. <laughs> to look them back up. The Quadrant. It's like, quadrant. okay, fine. It's a stupid name as well. It's a silly name because, well, we can't possibly have more than four members. We're called the Quadrant <laughs> after all. Well, we'll name yourself the Octagon and boot yeah. me a seat. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> It's like, yeah, but now there's branding. You know, all our rings are squares. We <laughs> the rings, <laughs> you know, business cards will need to be made up. You know. There's business cards for these this secret organisation yeah. that I was supposed to know about. Yeah, we'll need yeah. to change the sign above the door. <laughs> <laughs> there was one part of that episode that I thought was really good, how Diaz's main antagonist for within the, the quadrant was the, you know, was the snooty one percent or spoiled rich kid. I mean... I'm I'm usually someone that will rally against someone like that. And I think that, you know, it was perfect. You've never had to do a day's work in your life. You've never gotten your hands dirty. You don't know what it's like. And and I like that because Diaz is the antithesis of that. And it was just the way that, you know, this guy maybe had all the power, but Diaz was able to terrify him just because he's, you know, he looks like someone that would actually snap your neck. Whereas this guy, he wouldn't. He'd get a goon to do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you had the feeling that he had never really got his hands dirty. I think he said that he had killed someone once. Yeah. You know, that was the kind of line that you got from him. And, yeah, I I liked that you know, he was sort of going against that system. Like you say, the 1% of the person that's been handed everything by daddy yeah. to go and get done. And then to see the power in that relationship slowly switch through the scenes you know starting at the beginning making him wait outside turning up sitting there sort of talking down to him sending him on his way and then the next time and then the next time and then obviously it's like he tries to kill him and at that point that's it you know yeah yeah but i guess we needed a bit of villain background i mean i'm not so sure we did uh it didn't enrich my knowledge of Diaz you know I didn't feel like for the rest of the season at that point I was like right I really know what Diaz is all about now you know I'm really invested in this guy as a villain it didn't make me any more or less invested than I was before it was it it didn't 
sort of fill in a backstory in a way that made me go, oh, well, I, I kind of care about him now in a way that I didn't before, or I understand his motivations. And when for a lot of the plans, you still sit there and go, well, this is a TV villain plan, this one. This this doesn't mean I want to be the big person in this particular city. Yeah. You know, I've I've stayed in the shadows for long enough. I'm now going to come out from behind the shadows and I am going to claim this one particular city and that is going to be my lot. And oh, and I want a seat at this table that no one else has heard of before. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's that's the other thing that I've been wanting and now that I've got my city, I can do this, you know. Made it worse that Dino had heard of them though. Oh yeah, I heard about <laughs> them while I was undercover. I thought they were a myth. And, uh, oh look, there's these longbow hunters as well. thought they were also a myth. <laughs> They're not going to appear until next season, possibly. Da, da, da. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird and it did feel like they were just laying the stage for next season but except they weren't with the quadrant anyway with the longbow hunters they certainly are with the longbow hunters they certainly are with the quadrant I kind of thought well this is going to lead on to something I had I thought he was going to rile them up the wrong way and then they were going to come after him towards the end and then they would be Oliver's sort of uh, nemesis uber villains for the next season but yeah, they were kind of dispatched a bit too quickly for that. Do we need another omniscient criminal organisation with infinite supplies of goons, though? I mean, you have so many of them. <laughs> oh, why not? You know, what's, what's another one to harm at this stage? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you really want to introduce them, introduce Nazis from Earth-X, you know, then at least you at least you know, right, these are bad guys, cool, let's get on with it, you know. And you don't really need to spend any time trying to build up something, especially if you're not going to use it. But it was just weird. It seemed like something that had been sitting there, an organisation that they had sitting there, went going, oh, well, we've not used these yet. Oh, well, let's let's do that for an episode. Yeah. And, you know, because we need them reporting to someone and we need other people involved. But I think you could have hinted at them and him working towards getting in there yeah. before uh, the end of this season and then have them maybe sitting there next season and then that leading on i think yeah yeah it kind of gives you i don't know it would kind of give him an excuse for doing stuff but it was just an excuse to have just give him infinite legions of goons that you could send against team arrow that was it it was a resource thing that was all they were really used for Mm. um ultimately that was all they were worth i suppose you know i wasn't interested to learn more when when they got rid of them i was like cool didn't want them here in the first place so that's fine uh, what did you think of the other team dynamic? So, you know, you had Curtis, Dinah and uh, Renee working together as a team and they wanted to be anti-Team Arrow. They wanted to be collaborative and uh, on the same page all the time and they wanted to discuss things as democratically as possible and all that stuff. Uh, what, what did you think of that dynamic and what they tried to do with it? I think it was interesting seeing how another team would operate, especially when Team Arrow, to an extent, was still operating at the same time. I think it was an alright dynamic. I think it was interesting seeing how a different team operated in there. They all had their own little skill set, because you still had um, sort of Curtis to be your um, sort of tech whiz. Yeah. And then sort of to... Yes. (laughs) Sort of half, half Felicity... And then you've got the the other two running out and it being the sort of source of information and, and actually hitting the street. So yeah. yeah, it was it was a good team dynamic. I think it was a more 
Um, I think a more collaborative team than you had seen in, you know, in, from Team Arrow. And they definitely pulled together a lot more, but more out of a shared... Um, hatred isn't the right word at all, but I'm trying to think of the right word to use. Um, sort of their shared disappointment about Oliver. Yeah. And sort of a chance to maybe bitch a little bit about him. Um and about the other team. They, they seemed to almost... Uh, the, the amount of glee they had when they had a little snippet of information before the other team did. Or they were able to find something out before the other team did. Um, was in there. So having them as rivals for a little bit was interesting. You know, one yeah. team not wanting to share information with the other. I think once they started collaborating again in the more traditional way, I was a bit like, oh, well, it was, you know, it was interesting while it went on. <laughs> Yeah, I like the dynamic. I quite like the whole democratic decision process. The way that Curtis and Renee kept Dinah from going full-on revenge mode. I mean, there was a point where she was like, just get out of my way, I have to do this. But they were all, she was also willing to listen to reason because they were supporting her rather than telling her what to do. And that was that was a bit different. Um, having Just having them out and do stuff. I mean, they, they had a different, slightly different approach to it. Uh, having Curtis and Felicity, friends in the background who were sharing information for a bit, that was quite good. There was all sorts of just little bits that made it more interesting. I think what they failed to do was really keep them separate. I mean, I get that there are two teams in the same city fighting against the same bad guy, so there's going to be a bit of overlap. We had the climatic action sequence in at least two episodes after they they reportedly split apart where they were working together, just like breaking into somewhere and, and fighting. They were fighting together, but not together. They were just in the same place. But it just felt like old times, you know? Like yeah. Just, just the same stuff. And the so, catchphrase of, this changes nothing. Yeah, <laughs> was, yeah it, like, Renee would say that all the time. This changes nothing, Hoss. This is no different. You know, just... Well, no, it doesn't change anything because you're still doing the same stuff you would always do. The only difference is you both go to separate bunkers when you're finished. That's the only difference. But, yeah, you're still kind of arriving at the same conclusion at roughly the same time and then just fighting the same guys at the same time. Um, the the only major disagreement they had was when Oliver had a plan of what to do when uh, in the episode where Vince Gelanti died. that <laughs> um, You know, Dinah wanted to go and save him. Oliver was like, no, we have to get this MacGuffin thing. I can't remember what it was. Was that a bomb or something? Yeah, it was like a nuclear yeah. bomb or something. I don't know. It was something. They needed a, uh, there was a something that they had to get a hold of. And they had two choices. It's not as if they had like six people. that they could, you know, <laughs> like, Right, let's split up. I'll go this way. You go this way. You know, and, and well, that's ultimately what they did, but they weren't on the same page. So you had all this stuff that just didn't work. Um, and then Dino got to see him die, and, and it was that's ultimately why they came to blows after that, because I have to kill Laurel now, because she killed Vince, this guy that I've spent at least two episodes coming to trust. Although I thought they handled that reasonably well. Um, the way he was, you know, you couldn't tell what side he was playing, then it became clear he was playing against uh, Caden James, as it was at the time. That feels like a lifetime ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and you know he was genuine, and then Caden James figured it out, and because he's smart, and that was it. And then Caden James came around at the end because he wanted to see his son. We had some flashbacks that weren't that good. 
I don't, know, I don't have that much more to say about Caden James as such because it was so long ago. But yeah, so the the team working together, uh, well, not working together. Just, you know, just like if you're going to do this, then do it. Like you can have them doing something else at the end of the episode. They don't have to be fighting in the same place. You could even intercut the action sequences. You know, they're, yeah, they're, I they're think... in a different warehouse. <laughs> a different nondescript warehouse location, yeah. dockside location somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that. I would have preferred to have seen them being separate, separate for longer. Yeah. Even do an episode where you focus solely on them. Yeah. And completely ignore the other team as if yeah. it's not going on. I think maybe would have been interesting. Have some as a mayor take. scenes, but Oliver's not actually doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Have it. Have it sort of intercutting that way rather than what they did, I think might have worked better in my opinion. But um but yeah, I think the team overall was okay. I think they, they worked well together and you assume that you're basically gonna see almost a business as usual back, you know, obviously without Oliver at the beginning, but you're gonna have yeah. a business as usual team back again. Or are we? I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Um We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, sort of a bit of a sidebar. This season saw a bit of an exit for Thea, which, well, she's gone now. Um, and I'm in two minds about the way they handled it. I really like the fact that she decided, I'm done with this crap. I'm going to go live a happily ever after with Roy because I think I deserve it. And I don't think anyone can dispute the fact that, that Thea Queen does deserve to just go off and live a life free of all this craziness. I mean, she's died. She's come back to life. She's, you know, dealt with bloodlust. She's mm-hmm. struggled with her own murderous tendencies. Uh, dad she, is not my dad issues. <laughs> yeah. She decided she didn't want to be um, a vigilante. So the show found another place for her. Although I don't know how true this is. And I might try and find it for the show notes. Although I think I tried to find it before. But... Someone I read somewhere, or someone told me, I don't remember, that they had bigger plans for Willow Holland earlier on, but apparently she was injured during an action sequence. Uh, during uh-huh. the filming of an action sequence and couldn't they couldn't fulfil those plans because she couldn't be as physical as she was before. Um so that's kinda why or it could be why Thea kinda languished for a couple of seasons with right, we'll chuck her in the mayor's office and then she won't like that. So we'll have her in a coma for half a season. Uh why not? You know, and uh, it's kind of a shame. I mean, I always liked, um, I always liked Thea, even in season one and stuff. Like she's a teenager, or whatever. But uh, later on, as she grew as a character, I really liked her. And then, so the way she left, going on a Lazarus pit hunt, I was like, come on, like unless we're getting a spin-off, Thea and Roy, Lazarus hunters. <laughs> I'm not interested in this ending. It would be simply called Lazarus, obviously, because <laughs> that would look cool on the title sequence. Um, yeah, I, I think it was a bit of a shame that they were bowing out this way, but, I mean, it's not it's not death, and it's definitely not definitive death for the character. Yeah. You know, you've seen it doing before, where you've ended up with Roy back, for example, for a couple of episodes and, and things. And he's so, back next season, full time. And he's back next season from <laughs> Lazarus hunting, so... Yeah. Where's Thea? I don't know. She's taking where's, a bath Where's Thea? Well, we, we had a fight. Uh, can I crash at yours? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
And so it's not it's not death. So yeah, she's got all possibility of coming back at some point. And if if what you're saying's right, and maybe they're not able to fulfil the ambition they have for the character, then it's the only thing they can do. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's like if especially if the mayor's office option isn't going to be there. It would be well. What what do we do? Where 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 do we put her? Do we put her behind a desk at someone's bunker? You know, at the team bunker. Well, you've already really got Felicity there, so that would be a bit surplus. Do you have her sort of starting her own campaign to be mayor? What what do you have? You know, I, I don't I, I don't know where our role would be. So I think it's best if you don't know what to do with the character, then let them sort of casually disappear. Give them a nice out. Um, you know, it doesn't need to be sort of standing on a landmine. It can be sort of driving away in a car. She could look after William. She could be. <laughs> she could. She I could. Don't know. That really, that really sucks. But, but then you would need, then you, then you would need to get rid of the nanny. Yes. Right, Risa or Risa or whatever her name is. Yeah. Who knows that Oliver's a Green Arrow? Because you know who doesn't. If every everyone has worked it out, I, I do love it. It's like everyone knows, but no one's found them guilty yet because we all know <laughs> it's yeah. fine. You know. I think part of the issue I had with the Thea leaving is it kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, what you had was you had so you had an episode where Roy was being used as leverage by Diaz or something. Like he was just being used as leverage. He was going to testify against Oliver. Uh, then. You had that episode after, the, or you had the cliffhanger ending where some League of Assassins person was there, and then you had the oh by the way, it turns out Malcolm set up his own League of Assassins, and uh, they want you because you're the heir of Ra's al Ghul, and there's some scroll or something, and there's a map to other Lazarus pits. So bye. Um, it just felt <laughs> like what, what was this? Where where's this come from? Why have why are we covering this now? Yeah, the uh, sort of League of Assassins volume two. Yeah. Uh, you know. As a breakout group, <laughs> and as good as it is to see Nissa again, uh, I mean, it, and the, the whole sister wife or whatever she called her, called Felicity, was kind of annoying me. It's like it's it's weird seeing Nissa being so quippy because it just doesn't suit her. <laughs> that um, is true, actually. Well, I did like the bit where where Felicity was like, "Right, I would actually like to work with no interruptions," and she's like, "Cool, I'll stay here so that you're not interrupted." <laughs> Just you know, she just keeps taking a rise out, of her, mm-hmm. which I thought was quite funny, but didn't really fit with Nissa. But yeah, I, I did, I did, I did think it was quite funny. But like you say, it doesn't quite fit the character, but was yeah. still funny to watch. Yeah, you know, you stole my husband, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But that episode's another episode where the actors managed to elevate the material. Like uh, Oliver and Thea's goodbye was was very touching, uh, as it should be because they're brother and sister and they've been through a lot over the past six years. So. Fine, let them have that moment, and it's a nice moment. And you know, they call back to one of the first things that they said to each other in the pilot, and, and you know, it's a nice bit of bookending, a nice bit of symmetry. But ultimately, I would have liked better for Thea leaving, and her presence is sorely missed when the show finishes, or when when she's gone. You know, by me anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oliver's Trial. Let's talk a bit about that. I think that was a landmark episode. It was a really good episode. It's very different for Arrow, anyway. You know, to turn it into a courtroom drama for an episode and, mm. and I suppose, demonstrate why the writers aren't writing Law and Order or something like that. 
<laughs> uh, it's because yeah the law just whatever like we'll just have them standing up in front of the jury and saying stuff and it should be enough you know yeah, we'll go throw a couple of objections in there yeah. and <laughs> uh you know and your general hail from agents of shield is one of the lawyers that <laughs> made, made me immediate, immediately distrust her um, <laughs> yeah th- but i thought it was a good episode although it did that weird TV thing where it compresses it over. Like, the trial must take place over a couple of days. But they, they tried to do this whole thing where Felicity and Oliver were really, like, feeling intense about the kind of brief moments they get to share together. But the thing is, it's TV. If you want it to take place across weeks, then do. You know, if it's a big case and you could have it that, well, Felicity only sees Oliver once a, like once every three days for ten minutes and, and all that stuff. I think the emotion of it would have played out better had those gaps been... A, big, a part of the story, you know, and, and as it drags on and it takes its toll on people. I just found it a bit funny. Like, you had those scenes where they would go back to the little room in court and they would chat. And at first, in that, you had uh, Mr. Diaz says, you're not getting any privacy. I'm going to stand here and listen to everything you're saying. And then the next time they're in the room, there's no one else there. They're all by yeah. themselves. It's like Mr. Diaz has given up. He doesn't care what you're talking about anymore. <laughs> it's, like, it's like he's very smug in victory. He's, yeah. he's, he's told me I don't need to listen to your conversations anymore. Plot away. And then it's like, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. They could, have, they could have spun it out slightly longer, but I kind of feel getting it over and done with in an episode might have been a good thing because oh. you were already getting elements of the courtroom scenes or the court dates and proceedings in the run-up you know the whole case getting built has been gradually going on for the whole season but maybe you're right maybe if it had been peppered through to give it um make it feel like a longer set of proceedings rather than it feeling like it took place over 45 minutes yeah no i'm I'm happy with it being in a single episode it's just give us a passage of time you know don't make it like okay this is the next day make it this is the next week and we're just like so strung Mm. out and or whatever, you know, I think that I think that would have added a bit more impact, but there were several really good moments in that episode. I really loved it when Renee took the stand. Uh, yes. and and Diaz just brings his daughter in casually, sits her down, and you know, you, you get all this kind of silent conversation that's going on between Diaz and Renee and between Renee and Oliver. And you've got this so Renee's just like trying to decide what he's gonna do. He knows that if he says what he's supposed to say Oliver's screwed, but if he, no, no, yeah, if he says what Diaz wants him to say, mm. Oliver's screwed. If he says what he wants to say, his daughter is, is collateral damage, you know, and, and Diaz doesn't care whether he kills a child, apparently, so you don't have yeah. that moral question mark there, so it's, that was really good, and, and the the fact that, you know, Oliver gives him the signal that it's fine. You do, do it, you, yeah, pal. yeah, yeah. That, do it. If it was if it was my son that was being held there, I would throw you under the bus right away, yeah, and you would understand yeah. in the same way I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, do you know what? There was some very good acting in that episode. Yeah, and like you say, the sort of silent conversations that were going on through that, uh, I liked quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, it was the most crooked court <laughs> going. Um, Everyone's but, just lying under oath. Yeah, everyone everyone is lying under oath. Everyone is openly lying. The judge is openly just like, yeah, let's get this over and done with. We all know the outcome of this one, don't we, folks? Right? Okay. It's like, move along. It's like... Yeah. It was, yeah, it was very, yeah. 
as a, as a Renee sidebar, the quickest cure, uh, curing of PTSD I've ever seen. Was <laughs> like, if I die, my daughter won't have anyone. And then his daughter's like, I, I quite like that you're a vigilante. Go out there and make me proud and get those people killed. And he's like, yeah, cool. That's fine. <laughs> and that was it. Never mentioned again. I, I don't like, mind oh, you okay. beating up people, Dad. You're pretty yeah. cool. Off you go, Bob. Well, <laughs> there was even the bit where it was like, Diggle says to Renee, you know, how do you feel? And, or no, it's Curtis says to him, how do you feel? And he's like, it's been like six hours. <laughs> or it was like last night or whatever it was. You know, like it was such a short period of time. It's like, I'm not over it. It was like five minutes ago. It wasn't long. But uh, no, there was there was a very good, as much as the advice given wasn't very good, there was a good scene between Diggle and Renee, father of, to father, you know, yeah. father to father, two vigilantes, you know, from vigilante to vigilante. What advice can you give me about trying to keep this together? Um, which I quite liked. Yeah. Well, if I die, she still is. He's no. What, what's his? No, it's a son he has now, isn't it? Mm. I'm, I'm confused. Uh, it, it all it all got swapped because Barry <laughs> stepped on a butterfly yeah, and like uh, spiraled yeah. out of control. But it's not like if I die, she still has a. He still has a parent and. And it's that whole, it's just, I compartmentalise it. And he's like, well, I can't compartmentalise it. And yeah, everyone's just mental. Maybe they don't need to go and see Barry's therapist that inexplicably (laughs) keeps turning up. (laughs) But let's not do that next season. We're going to go to Central City to see the only therapist in both cities. The vigilante therapist. (laughs) There's another TV show I'm going to pitch it. Vigilante therapist. There's another thing Thea could have done. She's good at giving advice. Yeah. She could have like been a therapist. I, I would mean, love you don't do you know, qualifications. If you could just get the rights and everyone to play fair, having like a vigilante therapist would be awesome. Would yeah. it not? You could just do and this week on the therapist couch is Deadpool or whatever, you know. <laughs> and I think that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Deadpool ends up driving his therapist insane. Yeah. Which is, you know, what the Joker did. But um So back to the trial. Uh, weird sidebar, it just reminded me with the Renee there. Uh, so you had some really cool moments in there. Um, the surprise, in inverted commas, reveal of Christopher Chance. I mean, when you see that opening scene of Diggle just grenading everything in sight to rescue this guy, I was like, ah, it's going to be Christopher Chance. Uh, I don't know why I immediately thought of that, but especially when you have that whole... Um, so when he comes crashing through the roof and then takes off the hood and it's Tommy Merlin's face, I was like, ah, human target's back. Uh, who yeah. doesn't have the same build as uh, Colin Donnell, but never mind. <laughs> yeah, this is, amazingly he changes his build when he went between disguises. Um, but I don't know, I thought that was quite cool. It made sense as a kind of explanation. I've been the Green Irish since day one, fake my death. Oliver is like up on the chopping block for me, whatever. Like, that's, it makes sense. I, I, do you know what? I kind of liked it as like an almost plausible, um, you know, person to take the fall. It was almost plausible, the reasoning they put there. And I think if it hadn't been as chaotic a court, I think it might have even worked to an yeah. extent. Um, but yeah, I think when you saw Diggle sort of crashing through trying to save someone, it's like, oh, it's going to be the, the body decoy again, isn't it? It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be the, you know, so someone's either going to have to take a pot shot at Oliver at some point in yeah. this, or they're going to get someone in to pretend to be the the Green Arrow, and then yeah, yeah, obviously it was. So I was like, okay, well that's fine. Yeah, I'll kind of accept that. The bit the bit I didn't see coming actually was when they swapped him for the judge. Oh, that was so stupid. Like, why not just do that in the beginning? 
I, it was kind of like, why wasn't that the first plan? It's like, um, hang on, if that's like the resolution felt completely unearned. It's like we find Oliver guilty, and then the judge is like, yeah, but I don't care what the jury says. I don't know if that's a legal thing that exists. I, I uh, think you can you can say that the jury have been swayed by outside sources and that, but I think you would be allowed a retrial at that point. But I'm not sure. It's like, I'm not a lawyer. I'm just I, the Green Arrow. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't quite get that. And I thought, well, if you were going to swap, potentially you could have swapped with the um, the prosecutor and taken yeah. the prosecutor because then they could just go, oh, actually, on second thoughts, we've come to deal and we're dropping the case. Goodbye. Yeah, we're dropping charges. It was such a stupid thing because you would think that, that Oliver being found innocent would have to be like earned by the story and it wasn't earned by the story it was just well i don't agree with your verdict so i'm overturning it we're fine bye and that that was it but the um the green arrow or the tommy is the green arrow thing i found interesting for a variety of reasons first of all because it was plausible you know it's like oh no this is a reasonably believable story if you don't know the people involved it's like you know this guy died like five years ago fine you know that Maybe he didn't. Maybe he's just running around. Also, you're seeing his face. You know, you're, that's fine as well. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't want to submit DNA evidence. Let's do his fingerprints. You know, like we'll just test that out. Why not? Uh, yeah, and by this point, you would think that Oliver's DNA would be across half those t- crime scenes as well. Yeah, he but, wears you gloves. Know. Yeah, but not. Yeah, but not for everything. But you know, by verifying that he's actually Tommy Marilyn. Yeah. Yeah, you could have tried to do something with that, and. Um, I don't know. But anyway, um, Stephen Amell's reaction when he saw Tommy's face was just that the reminder of his friend that was dead and all that, just an absolute punch Mm. in the gut for him. Really well played. Uh, Another issue I had with, I had an issue with it in the sense of, all right, so this is another person's name that's being willingly dragged through the mud to protect Oliver's secret. (laughs) You know, and it's, and this is like the posthumous memory, you know, the posthumous name it's just, yeah, you're just like sullying this dead guy's good name to protect yourself. And it wasn't Oliver's idea, and he was like blindsided by it more than a little bit. But it was still, it was a bit iffy. And I do like that in the finale he takes responsibility for it. He's like, I'm going to jail now, I'm the Green Arrow. Tommy Merlin, not the Green Arrow. Roy Harper, not the Green Arrow. Also not dead. He'll be back next season. You'll see him soon. <laughs> where he might be the Green Arrow, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's there's that. And, and I wish that they'd addressed that a bit more. I mean, Oliver was like, I didn't know it was going to be Tommy. I knew it was going to be someone. I didn't know it was going to be Tommy. So that kind of absolves him of a little bit of responsibility. But I wish he'd said the whole, I wish my best friend's name didn't have to be tarnished to protect me. You know, like Well, you can you like can that. imagine an alternate universe where Tommy Merlin is the Green Arrow. Yeah, and if he is in an alternate universe, just go get him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. Nah. Nah, it, would, it, wouldn't, it would have just been too much of a mess. But, um, but the thing is, Christopher Chance is someone they introduced last season... Or was it the season before? No, it was last season. And so he's a resource that they can use for these kinds of things. It's a resource that works within the context of the TV show and the framework that they've set up. Fine. Uh, I just wish they'd maybe not used it in quite such a sweeping way. It's like, right, fine, we're cool. Green Arrow is me, and that's it. Uh, Oliver's innocent now because I'm now the judge, and uh, that's it. And, oh yeah, an innocent judge gets killed. 
yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, actually. Poor, poor innocent judgment. It's good. It wasn't me. I swear it wasn't I me. Just I just got knocked out of my chambers and now I'm being murdered. Like, yeah. this is not my day. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a bit of a shame. Poor innocent yeah. judge. But, you know, at the end of the day, he was willing to work for... Uh, <laughs> for uh, so Diaz, so he, he sort of deserves a kicking. Doesn't deserve death. Yeah, but he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't going to deliver a verdict that he disagreed with. You know, like based on the evidence, it's pretty obvious. You know, what, what Oliver. Yeah. To, to. to be fair, Oliver should be found guilty because he is uh, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter how many people he saved, how many people he's protected, how many times he saved the city as the Green Arrow. He has still stuck arrows into people and murdered them. So yeah, yeah, blatantly yeah. still guilty. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but true. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of the poor judge. Poor judge. Yeah, I know. Poor guy. But we won't address that. It's fine. Uh, yeah, and also he'll turn up dead at some point as well after the trial. Isn't that suspicious? You know, like. I, I, I think there was a lot of yeah. suspicious stuff about that trial. I do I like know. the fact that it was all it was all being broadcast, but there's no one sort of going, "That's not the way a trial's supposed to work." Yeah, <laughs> it's like that judge shouldn't be doing that. You know, it would be so many questions. Telling you this, this was the perfect time to do the Boston legal crossover. And if you got <laughs> James Spader and defending Oliver, that would have been it. You know, just that would have been amazing. <laughs> but uh, nah, William Shatner could turn up as well. Denny Crane, Denny Crane, his way about. We can dream. It was already silly. Why not? <laughs> Just pull out as many different legal dramas as you can all into the yeah, one yeah, episode. To- totally. Right, so the ending, uh, the season ending, I thought was quite effective in its own way. Uh, Oliver making a deal with the FBI so he could get their resources. Two conditions, admit you're the Green Arrow and turn yourself in. Although he take, we take an entire episode to find out that he's turning himself in. But I thought it was, thought it was all right. Um, the, the way they did it, the way they built up to it and then the way it just happened uh, although I did constantly find myself laughing throughout the episode because there was this structure of Oliver will go to have moving conversation with person on team and then it will end with a handshake that Felicity will walk in on it happens <laughs> three times does it? Right, now, now I feel like I've got to watch you back just to see the surprised Felicity so faces for the, each handshake. The, the first conversation is, Diggle, you should be the, we should both be the Green Arrow. And then it's like, nah, it works because there's one. I'm happy with whatever I'm doing. And then he's like, right, little do you know that I won't be able to be Green Arrow soon. And it's like, thank you for everything. Shakes hand, Felicity walks in. And then the next conversation is Renee, where, they talk, where he talks about how he thought he was a thug. And then... Turns out he's not a thug, at least in his eyes. And it's a bit weird that a white male is telling a person of colour that he was a thug. It's something a bit dodgy about that. But anyway, ends with a handshake. Felicity walks in, talks to Dinah. <laughs> they talk about how much they respect one another. Ends with a handshake. Felicity walks in. And then at no point does he just think about talking to Felicity or William. And he doesn't bother talking to Curtis either. Oh, poor Curtis. I know, yeah. He didn't even get subpoenaed, as he was kind of disappointed about. Weird. <laughs> um, and then he doesn't get to have the heartbreaking conversation with Oliver either. It's a shame. but uh, So yeah, watch that back and see all the handshakes. Even just skip to those moments. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch that now just for Felicity randomly walking <laughs> in on the handshakes. Oh, I think... That's so j- funny. J- 
Do you know what? It's something that Oliver would have been pushed to. It was a believable move for the characters. Like, listen, I've used all the other options. This this is the only person that I can work with now that might be able to get some of this sorted out and put back on track. I need a lot of resources. I need them fast. How can I do it? I can do this. And it solves other problems in the background. Yeah. Well, it gets the immunity from prosecution, so you don't ever have to worry about them being chased by the law again. Uh, the FBI are protecting the people that Oliver cares about because they said they're going to stay until Diaz is caught, which will be presumably around about the season seven finale. Uh, and yeah, he, so he turns himself in, goes to prison. Um, and it's, I guess it was coming for him at some point. Um, and you've also got the idea of, they do this in comic books a lot, where what happens when the hero is locked up with the people that he had locked up? That's kind of your idea. Um, whether they do much with it, I don't know. But I thought it was, I thought it was a good ending. Um, it was really well played. Um, although you don't get to see him talk to William, which is a misstep, because you've tried to make me invest in this relationship throughout the season, not been hugely successful with it, and then the point where Oliver's like, I'm off to prison now, you don't get to see him explain that to him, where you should have. Yeah, I think that should have been handled a little bit better. Like, Felicity and William should have been told before that point. Yeah. Um, rather than it being sort of left to this tail end section. Yeah. And then it coming at the same time with Quentin's death. I mean, mm. it made the it made the moment feel like hectic and chaotic and and this you know, the emotional stakes were massive and and I think Oliver's conversation with Quentin was the most effective in the episode as well. You know, the whole um I had a good example, your father was a good man, I wasn't talking about my dad and you know, it was a nice little moment and they've had a long relationship that predates the show because uh, they've known each other since whenever Oliver was a teenager, well, whenever he was a mid to late 20s man wearing a wig that made us think he was a teenager <laughs> uh, and he was in a relationship with Laurel before, you know, before the whole the whole mess that started this thing happened. So that was a really nice moment and Quentin's death was well played. I wish Sarah had got a final goodbye with him before he died. But maybe if you've only got Katie Lots for two days, she can only be in the reaction scenes, that kind of thing, you know? No, I think they they should have had time for that. I don't know whether it's something that has been cut for time, literally on the programme, rather than filming time. Yeah. But I think she deserved uh, a little scene, a little farewell scene of I'm so proud of you and what you've done kind of thing. That I think would have would have made a bit of sense in there. Um, definitely. And I kind of feel it's a bit of a shame that Quentin's death is then overshadowed almost, or the reaction to that is then overshadowed by Oliver getting arrested and taken away. You know, the, I think it's... I know they were trying to go for like the one-two punch kind of thing, yeah. but I still feel it kind of takes a bit of attention away from this character that has been in since the very, very start, has been given a definitive end, rather than Oliver, which you're like, well, he's probably going to be out of prison by, you know, at some point next season. So, yeah, I think it kind of took a little bit away from uh, the loss of Quentin. The thing, the fact that he dies saving evil Laurel, it's kind of this, don't waste that second chance. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, even though she's been shot before and she was fine. I don't know. It's it is what it is. But I thought the death was well handled. I think the acting once again. It's a common theme here. Mm-hmm. Elevates everything that that happens around it because these actors are just so good at what they do. Stephen Amell just nails that scene that he shares with Paul Blackthorn. Paul Blackthorn nails the scene as well. He nails every scene he's in in pretty much every episode, even all the creepy stuff. You know, he he makes it believable, uh, and I will miss him. Thea he's been. Quentin. Mm. He's been a very good character throughout, actually. A very good character and very consistent throughout as well. He's not been um, sort of as uh, around the houses as the other characters have been. Yeah. I mean, why can't parent characters in TV shows just be like, I'm off, I'm going on a cruise. See you later. They all all get killed, don't they? Killed horribly, that's it. I've decided I'm going to live somewhere nice and quiet and peaceful and out of the way. Well, because normally what happens is they say they're going to do that, and then within two episodes' time, they've been captured, brought back to the city, and <laughs> used yeah. as bait for the hero. Uh, Martha Kent in Smallville is the only parent I can really think of that doesn't die to inspire a superhero. Yeah, there's probably others that I'm blanking on a bit, but I don't know. It's a bit strange. Um, so, what do you think is going to happen next season, and what do you want from next season? Good Could question. be the last season. Good question. I don't know. I don't know where they can go next season. So you've got you've got Oliver in prison, which I imagine is not going to be the entire season. I don't think. It would no. be very bold of them if they did. As much of as much as it would be very interesting to see the team cope without Oliver, you can imagine that there will be a few episodes of Oliver's in prison, Oliver's getting picked on by people in prison, Oliver rises up the ranks in prison to make sure he doesn't get beaten up anymore and then at some point is released probably when things get so bad that at that point when everything's falling to pieces the FBI go we know who can help fix this at which point I imagine Oliver will then be let out on some form of uh, technicality type thing that they work out so that he doesn't go back in again Um, that's what I'd imagine but um, possibly an offer like you work for us now which he takes and then at some point they'll come to a disagreement over what you work for us actually means um, yeah. I look forward to seeing the teams sort of work by themselves without Oliver for a little bit that might be quite interesting seeing how Felicity copes with being a single mum for the first point mm-hmm. um, so that might be uh, an interesting bit to see um, Villain-wise, I don't know. I'm just not that enthralled with Diaz, to be honest. The fact that he's still alive at the end of this because he gets flung into the water is <laughs> nippy as anything. Because yeah. as soon as he hit the water, I was like, well, he's alive. Uh, that's that's, yeah. that's like, it. Villains yeah. I'd like to see for another season. Damien Dark, Malcolm Merlin, which you get anyway. Uh, what's the, uh, Slade, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chase, no, I think Chase would have grated after a season, uh, another season. So, and you kind of got that flavour of him being the the devil on Oliver's shoulder. Yeah, but even for that, just that one sort of episode where he's going around haunting Oliver, he still yeah. had more presence than Diaz has had for a yeah. good portion of the season. It was just, yeah, it was. I I don't know. I'm not. 
I'm not sure. I'm not particularly looking forward to seeing him next season, but you never know. They might surprise me and do something interesting with him. So I won't, I won't film. His performance actually has been very good. It's just the way it's been written and the way it's been handled yeah. hasn't been particularly great. Yeah. Uh, the way they sort of assembled their team of villains and and then you end up with Diaz out on top, which I suppose is all meant to be there as a bit of a surprise of the one that you're sort of least likely expecting to be the big villain turns out to be the big villain kind yeah. of thing. So there's there's a few things um, that the few thoughts that I had after seeing this, and I seem to recall a similar conversation that we had at the end of the Flash season four, no three three was was the last one. This is four, uh, where it's like okay Barry's gone now. Wouldn't it be nice to see a few episodes of him not there? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know it's it's not quite the first five minutes, but it's close enough. In the first five minutes, it's resolved. I don't want another five minute resolution here because what you've got is you've got You've got a paradigm shift for the show, right? Oliver is the Green Arrow publicly now. Everyone knows that Oliver Queen was the Green Arrow. So what you could potentially have is a new Green Arrow with Diggle leading the team as it is. A united team, and he does a really good job with it because he's brilliant. You know, because everybody trusts him, everybody respects him, and he's Diggle. Let's face it, Diggle is awesome. That's just a fact of life. Um, We all dig Diggle. Yep. So what you could have there is you could have... Now, I suspect that Oliver will be back by the crossover, which is traditionally episode eight. So what you could have there is six episodes Mm. of this arc. Six episodes of Oliver in prison. Six episodes of Team Diggle. Six episodes of Single Mother Felicity. And have him back episode seven. Episode seven is about re-establishing the dynamic how does this work with Oliver around? What does he do now? You know, maybe he's out of prison for a reason. Maybe they've, they've managed to get him out, legally speaking. And and it's all about, you can't be the Green Arrow. So you have an episode where you're just cutting about, not, not sure what's going on. Um, aware that the team has moved on without him. Don't forget we've had this sort of arc before where Oliver was believed dead in season three. Mm. And the team had to come together. But it was a different team. and It's a different dynamic. So this one is much more... The team is much, much more together. They're, they've gelled a lot better. They all have their own skills, their own personalities. At, at that point, you just had Roy, um, Roy Diggle, and that was it in the field. And then, you know, Laurel was starting out at that point as well. But it, it wasn't that good. Um, well, it was good, but it wasn't the same as we've got here. Yeah. So another alternative is fall back on an old storytelling thing that Arrow used to do as recently as last season. Start off the season with Oliver's back on the team, Oliver's back home, and then use flashbacks to explain why. Yeah. So then you get everything. So then you get the whole team separate. What are they up to? How did they get here? So you could effectively do a flashback of like three months worth of storytelling and get us back to this point, maybe by the end of the season, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe by the middle of the season. I don't know how long you need to tell this story. And, you know, we've all seen it before where it's like, I took him 20 one episodes to get back on the team and we hated it you know give us enough time for us to want the dynamic back but still enjoy what they're doing and then and then drop the ball on it you know yeah pull the trigger on it even could be interesting yeah so that's what i think oliver will definitely be back by the crossover because Stephen amell got to meet batwoman <laughs> fact you know that they did that this year they had him out of commission for a couple of episodes and then back for the crossover. So I suspect something similar will happen. Um, Longbow Hunters will probably be an antagonist to deal with. 
They said there was three of them, didn't they? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so then you've got three villain characters that you can develop. Diaz could be there. Maybe they kill him, I don't know. Um, so that's what I think. Oliver's, Oliver is a prisoner. Could be quite interesting, because, as I said, he put some of those people in there, probably. So they're going to hold a grudge. You'd think so, but he's going to end up proving to be kind of superior in there, isn't he? At some point, he's going to end up. At some point, he's going to earn his stripes and not going to be picked on instantly anymore. So, yeah, Felicity as a single mum is something I'm quite interested to see as well. Uh, I know a lot of people in the fandom are disliking Felicity for various reasons at this point, and I can sort of understand why, even though I think it's really harsh. But I think they did some really good work with Felicity and William this season. And mm. the way they built up to it. the the standout bit is where he's sitting there watching on the monitor, while she's like giving Oliver, you know, the watch out behind you. There's some guys, and and the bit where she's like, "Here's how I manage all this life and death situation. I know that Oliver might not come back every day, but I believe that he will because I know that he has the skills to do it. And this is the only way it works. You have to just believe. You have to hope. And this is how I do it. And it was kind of the your dad's a Green Arrow. I know you didn't want him to be the Green Arrow, but here's how I resolve it in my head. And mm. that was a really good scene. And I did like the fact that when she wasn't working with Oliver, she had this mad panic that he wasn't okay, because at least when she's sitting there behind the desk, she can see everything that's going on yeah. and make sure he's all right. And the fact that she wasn't there, but she knew he was out, I, I kind of liked that. Is the fact yeah, that she, like- ju- she just didn't know what was going on. She had no way of finding out. Yeah, I think that was a little bit too overblown at some points, though. Mm. The bit where it's like, nah, he's been through worse. Like, you, you probably think he's okay, you know. You, you can't assume he'll die five minutes after you're not watching him. Because he used to do this on his own, but that was fine. So, I, I don't know. I think I'd like to see season six fully commit to the whole Oliver is not going to be around for a while. I mean, he's still in the show. It's not like he's in the Speed Force. You know, he's he's there. <laughs> you know, like he can have friends in prison or whatever. Yeah, and the whole maybe he works for the FBI thing because they realise, wow, what a resource. This, like, you know, this ninja. <laughs> yeah, we've got, like, ninja assassin. I, I have the feeling that he's going to be let out for day trips as and when required, and then it's going to become a more permanent thing, I think. Yeah. But that's going to be a, yeah. We shall see. Some sort of squad of villains and sort of mercenaries that they can send out to do sort of suicide missions, you know, <laughs> like a, I don't know what they would kind of call that kind of squad, but, you know, like a team yeah. that's kind of like that. The Expendables. That's the one. That's exactly <laughs> the name that we used. <laughs> yeah. Uh, legally distinct from that thing we also own. so I think we've covered a good spectrum of season 6 or season 6 part 2 do you have any thoughts on any last thoughts that you'd like to share with the class about Uh, do you know I think I've covered it I'm sure we'll end up uh, wrapping up this recording and then I'll suddenly shout something out loud and go why didn't I not mention that but add this in add this in add this in edit edit this in in post no I think think I've I've pretty much covered all that I want to chat about it same. The last thing I'll say is that I liked season six, you know, probably more than a lot of people did. Uh, the acting always engaged me, if nothing else. And 
Um, some of the stuff they were doing was really good. The ending's good. I'm looking forward. I hope that's the paradigm shift that we've been promised. If we're five minutes and back to normal without flashbacks to mm-hmm. explain why we're five minutes and back to normal, I'll be annoyed. So, yeah. I, I, I've i really enjoyed it to an extent. I think I've been disappointed with some elements of it, like I said at the beginning. I still think it's one of the stronger of the, the DC shows that we've got. Um, but there's elements of it now that I feel... I feel it's struggling with the number of episodes that it's got, and I think if they were given a few less, then it might make it slightly tighter and trim some of the fat. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, thank you for sticking with me in this fallow team period. Uh, Hopefully we'll be back up to full strength next season. This is full strength, though. I don't know. It's, I think this is it, isn't it? This, this is, is it. This is, this is the is normally team. it. Yeah. yeah. This is this is pretty much it. Well, all, all's forgiven, Craig, and I think we can share the costume. Uh, I'll wear the I'll wear the top, and you can wear the trousers. How about that? Yeah. Seems fair. Yeah, I think I think we've resolved that amicably now. Yeah, that, now uh, we can move on. I would encourage you to wear other trousers at the time, though. You know, don't want you to go full Winnie the Pooh with with the arrow suit. That's that's exactly what the police said. We'd prefer if you wore the trousers, but we can handle the murder. I we said I'm, a, I'm the, a... the maimings, but please put on some trousers. <laughs> that was our discussion on the second half of Arrow season six. A big thanks to YouTuber Mstens1117 for the supplied music. If you like what you heard, then hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app iTunes users, please do leave us a star rating and don't forget to supply feedback on our new feature or any other part of the podcast. You can do this on Facebook and Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or you can leave us a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. We hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod. Yeah.